If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write Jesus Builds. Jesus Builds. We're, we're in our Son of Heaven series. Pastor Joel did a great job last week of opening it up. He's actually uh, ministering up in Oroville, Washington this morning, preaching up there for uh, a church that's very near and dear to us. And um, so just keep him in your hearts and your prayers. He's probably right in the middle of that uh, fire message right now. But um, we, I, I want to read Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for, us, for, for unto us a child is born, to us a child is given. Somebody say given. That sounds like a gift, right? Given. And the government shall be on his shoulder. Don't you wish? The government shall be on his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And so as we, as we get into this, you know, we're in this season of celebration of the birth of the Christ child. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, we, you know, our, 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 you know, our culture and calendar, we, we all know that Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. Okay. Let's just get that out of the way. But that's the day that we've chosen to basically celebrate that. But I think it actually should be celebrate month. You know, I mean, how many of you realize like I, I we've transitioned a little bit when Robbie's birthday is May 9th, but now May is actually birth month birthday month, a whole month, the whole month celebration, right? So as, as we, as we get into this, um, I, I just want to say Christmas is the hope, uh, is the celebration of hope, um, himself, because Jesus is hope himself coming to earth in the form of a child. And we tend to think of birth as the beginning, right? I mean, you look at your kids and you think, okay, you know, August, Eight, you know, 1980 is when my, you know, that's, that's when, but in Jesus's case, that's not it. This is just the intersection because it says in John 1, 1, 3, in the beginning. So we're going to go clear to the book of Genesis and we'll finish up in Revelation this morning. Y'all good? Okay. But we, we tend to think of birth as a beginning, but in the, in the case of Jesus, it isn't because it says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him, nothing, uh, was made that was made. Now, Joel did, Pastor Joel did a great job last week of explaining the hypostatic union. And when I heard him say that, that's the union of the divine and the natural coming together. But when I heard him say that, I think, man, there's got to be a bunch of loggers and farmers out here that just said, yeah, I got one of them hypostatic unions on my, on my John Deere. You know, cause sometimes, sometimes scriptural stuff just kind of goes over our head. And so it's really important that we, that we, you know, we teach and explain in a way that we can understand. But when we look at this, we need to understand our, our, our thoughts are, Jesus started here with the birth of the Christ child, but it's not true. He was in the beginning. He was and is and is to come. So it says this, he was in the beginning with God. In John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word. The Word, that's Jesus, was with God and the Word was God. Come, I mean, here we go. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him nothing that was made was made. So we see also the person of Jesus was integral in the creation. Because it says in Colossians 1, 15 through 16, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible 
and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So we see this, and, and how does that, how does that, how does that play out? See, I've heard it described that the Father is the architect, the Spirit is the engineer, and Jesus is the builder. Okay, uh, Mark Moore in Core 52 writes this. He says, what happens when we ignore the role of Jesus in creation? Typically, salvations become a future spiritual state in heaven rather than an actual earthly reality. We have to, we, we have to grasp this and that's why we take this, what may be a mystery to some and we try to unpack it. We don't think, we don't tend to think of Jesus being involved and integral in creation, but there he was building. Jesus, son of heaven is built and is still building. So I want to go through about four things this morning that Jesus is building. He's building a lot more than this, but I want to take four things and unpack them this morning. Jesus is building his church. He's building his people. He's building life abundant and he's building the future. And I want to unpack each of those things. First of all, Jesus is building his church. Somebody say church. Come on. You got to like, somebody say church, right? He's building his church. Matthew 16, 18 He says, and I tell you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So so we see actually the declaration out of the mouth of Jesus what he's doing. He's not doing something that's a mystery. He's actually building something, and he says, I will build my church. We see in Psalm 127, uh, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, so there he is, he's a builder, Those who build labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. So Jesus is a builder and builders build. Right? People do what they do. Right? Singers sing. Right? I mean, my my wife has been a singer since I've known her 42 years long. I think on our first date, she sang. You know, I mean, first day, I mean, I heard her singing to the radio and it was some sort of like, you know, hit me with your best shot or, you know, I mean, whatever. It's like, whoa, man, this is a good one. But for 40 something years, that's what she does, right? I imagine uh, my brother Severn has the same thing in his household because his wife is a singer. And when you have a singer, that's what they do. Singers sing, right? Uh, authors write, I mean, welders weld, right? Haters hate, right? <laughs> Potatoes potato, right? I mean, do you know what I'm saying? It's just like people do what they're going to do. And we see in Scripture that actually Jesus builds. And he's still building. He started building. He's continuing to build. And he's, he's uh, seriously, this is amazing. See, if you have the eye of a builder, you see things differently. You see a lot and you envision a development. You know, you see a, you know what I'm saying? You see, you see a house and you go, I could flip that thing and I could turn something into it. You see plans and in my mind, I look at plans and I'm going, wow, that looks really complex. A builder looks at plans and goes, wow, that's easy. I met with a builder this week and, you know, uh, we rolled out a big old set of plans that looks like Greek to me. 
And then he just looked at it and said, oh, that's what you want to do there. That's what you're going to do there. This is what you, oh, you need to change that a little bit. And I'm like, wow, that is next level stuff. Why? Because he's a builder, right? He's a builder. So you see, um, I, I just got to say this. I, I, I'm crazy about being part of what Jesus is building. I just, it's, it's, the, it's the most exciting thing that I look forward to in, in my life because Jesus is building something and I want to be part, I want to partner with that. I want to be part of that. And I'm crazy in love with the church because that's what Jesus is continuing to build. And, and you know, the amazing thing, his church looks like you and me and you and me. This is what his church looks like. And I'm in, that's why I'm in love with his people because it's like, this is what he's doing. And it's crazy to be invited to be part of that. See, we're all invited to be part of that. This whole relationship and walk and journey with the Lord is not supposed to be me and Jesus got a good thing going. He used to say, I don't know what song it was years ago. You ever heard that song? You know, no, I'm dating myself right now. I think it was an old country song. You know, what, what was it? It was a rock and roll song. All right. Okay, me and Jesus got a good thing going. Me and Jesus got it all worked out, right? Listen, we're not created to live like that. We're created to live in community. Because you know what? It, it's like this. It's like we, we got a chance to build a house down in McCall. I told the story before, but there's a lot of new people. So Robbie and I were so excited because this is the first house we actually got to be part of building a house. And you guys know what it feels like. It's like, wow. So I remember the first time that the lumber company came and dumped a bunch of stuff on the ground. I mean, they had the parts and pieces and it's like, and, and Robbie and I drove by and we said, that's our house. And then reality set in. Unless it's assembled, we can't live in that. That's a really cool pile of lumber that's sitting in front of there. And it's valuable, but unless we actually have a builder come and assemble it, we're not, we're just going to go by and stare at it and go, that's our house. That's what Jesus is doing with us. He's community. He's building us together so that he can abide. Now there's pretty cool, something pretty cool because Jesus as a, as the son is building something to display to the father. Uh, when we were down in McCall, McCall's a very high end place and high end buildings and, and there was a, a builder in our church. Um, and my, my oldest son worked for him, and so they were building these million-dollar homes around Payette Lake and all this kind of stuff. And I remember one day that my son came home and said, Dad, can we jump in my truck? I want to take you for a drive. I'm like, cool, we're going hunting or something, or what do you want to do? He said, no, I want to actually show you some houses that I have built. And so he takes me along this place, and I'm like looking at this beautiful place. He said, yeah, Dad, I built the entryway there. I did the deck there. I did the dormers there. I, I helped with that kitchen there. And I'm realizing it just it clicked on me. and said, that's what Jesus is doing. He's building something that's beautiful because he wants to show it to the glory of the Father. He wants to say, hey, hey Father, guess what? Check this out. This is beautiful. So... Jesus is building also people because it's people that make up the components of the church. It's not the building. It's not some religious institution. It's not some framework. It's not some ideology. It's basically, it's people that look like you and me. 
And, and, and because Jesus is building the church and I love the, I, I love what he's building. I love the people that he's using to build. This is really important. See, most builders and carpenters, they would like to build something from the ground up. They don't really like to remodel, but that's the reality of what Jesus is doing. He's remodeling. Sin has actually broken what God initially built from the ground up, and now there's a remodeling and a restoring that's happening in the heart of the Son. And there's a certain eye to the broken down house that a master craftsman can turn around. They can also see the internal components. Now I go out and I look and you know, I've done this a couple of times. Hey, we're thinking about maybe buying a house and I look at it and like, you know what? It looks, it looks like it needs some paint and it looks like stuff like that. And then you have somebody that's a builder and they don't even look at that stuff. What they do, they look at the bones. They say, I mean, you can, you can go, wow, that house looks like it's too far gone. And a builder with a builder's eye will look and they'll go, that house has got good bones. I'm like, wow. And that's how Jesus looks at us. That's how we have to look at other people. We can't look at the exterior stuff. Sometimes we just have to say, you know what? It's got some good bones, man. the foundational things that need to be reconstructed. Jesus is in the restoration business. He's into restoring. He restored the woman at the well, restoring the person that's been derailed by sin and demonized, restoring the person that's been devastated by a failed divorce, by a failed marriage or divorce, restoring the person that's fallen into adultery, restoring a person that's had their life destroyed by addiction. We see the heart, desire, and character of God in the Old Testament about the business of restoring people. We see God take the Abrahams and the Sarahs that who were good as dead and bring a child into the world that would be the seed of the promise that in all of your seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed. We see Hannah who was barren and basically her ability to have a child was restored. There are people here right now that I believe there's a barrenness in your life and God wants to restore something that was dead and bring it back to life. I think you need to hear that. We see that God taking the Gideon that was hiding and fear and calling him a mighty man of valor before he ever did anything through him. Called those things that weren't as though they were. Jesus wants to look at your life, speak to you. He wants you to hear him. And he wants to basically speak into the things that you have no idea that he wants wants you to walk in. We see Jesus taking the doubting like Thomas. Thomas gets a bad rap. Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Thomas gets picked on. Thomas gets made fun of. But you know, if you study early church history, you know what you'll find? Is that Thomas didn't remain in Jerusalem with the rest of the disciples. He actually left and he planted more churches than all of the other disciples combined. That's what God does. Jesus takes, he he takes the rough fishermen, he takes the unethical tax collector and he rebuilds them into men and women that are still, we're still preaching about, we're teaching about, we're emulating about today. We see a man, uh, we see Jesus take a man named Saul who hated he was a hater and he was a murderer. Murder. I mean, seriously, he was responsible for persecuting the early church. 
and he renamed him and he set the world on fire. Listen, I'm telling you what, God can restore your reputation. God can take what you are ashamed of and he can move you into a place where basically you can set the world on fire. If you just recognize your response to him. Amen. He wants to reclaim you. He wants to rename you. He wants to repurpose you and show you off to the father. And this church that Jesus is building is a place of restoring people. And just like you've heard this, hurting people hurt people. Restored people should be restoring people. Restoring people need to restore people because that's the mission of Jesus. Amen. And, and you can't have an eye to judge people, to, to criticize people, you know, you listen, you got to have an eye of the builder, the eye of the builder, the eye of the restore. I love that. I love that word restore. We think about restore, restore. I never really thought about that. But when you take those two to restore, you restore, you get the store back. This is crazy. And then if you look up the de- definition of restoration, you'll actually find that the definition consistently is taking something that's been diminished, devalued, and making it better than it was before. That's restoration, making it better. I mean, it's not just bringing it up to like the line. It's bringing it up to what was better than before. I got a, I, like, like watch a guy with classic cars that restores. I got a friend of mine that he's got a classic Mustang. And so it just like, it kind of makes my heart like, oh, because I had one of those when I was in high school. And basically what he's done is he's like, he's not only restored it and it looks like it's, oh, that looks restored. But then you, oh, you, you pop the hood on that thing instead of like a 289 in it, it's got a 383 stroker with a Hearst shifter and it's got special rear end. It's like, boo, that will never, what, you know, and, and he actually let me drive it one time. He says, hey, why don't you get in and drive it? So I get in his car, man. I'm like, I'm going to be really careful. You know, I'm shifting the thing. And, you know, I drive it around the block a few times. And he says, hey, pull over. Let me drive this thing. I'm like, okay, let's do it. And he's in this thing. And, I mean, we're basically laying rubber. and We're going sideways around corners. And I'm like, woo, that's restoration right there, baby. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that just gets me all jacked up. But that's restoration. Jesus wants to take what you were and actually make you more than what you ever thought, asked, or could imagine. Jesus is building life abundant. He says this in John 10, 10 and 11, the thief comes only to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And then in verse 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So first of all, I want to unpack this. Jesus is identifying the tactic of our enemy. Steal, kill, destroy. Never gives up. Never takes a day off. Bible says that God created what we see on the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. Revelations, I told you I was going to get from Genesis to Revelation. Revelation says that the enemy is coming to the earth in great fury, knowing he has but a short time. He never takes a day off. There's never a time when he's not attempting to break through the fortress and kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he does. Killers, kill. Stealers, steal. Destroyers, destroy. That's his nature. So the strategy is relentless. 
But then Jesus is describing life as it would look through him. Okay? There is an abundant life available now. Okay? It's not necessarily a material abundance. It doesn't preclude that. But it's an abundance of peace, joy, and righteousness despite the outer surroundings that we may find ourselves in. So I I looked at the the word abundance defined in the Bible. If you look at it, it, it basically is defined as surplus, beyond extraordinary, beyond all measure, and to flourish and to grow wonderfully. Sometimes people reject Jesus because they feel like it's a can't-do gospel. I mean, I used to be in that. Man, if I give my life to Jesus, there's a lot of stuff that I can't do anymore. I mean, what a lie. You know, there's a lot of stuff that I can't do anymore, that I'm glad I can't do anymore. Really, I'm glad I can't just get wasted all the time. I'm glad I can't step out on my wife. I'm glad I can't steal. I'm glad I... You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of stuff that's like, wow. And and yet the exchange is tremendous. Because he said, I come that you might have life abundantly. What does that mean? He says, I come that you might have life in surplus. I come that you might have life beyond extraordinary. I come that you might have life beyond all measure. Is not entered into the heart of man. The things that God has purposed for him. Wow. I come that you might have life to flourish and to grow wonderfully. Who wouldn't want that beautiful transaction? If you're not walking with Jesus and you realize there's a hole in your heart and your life and you've tried to pack it with the right job, the right trophy, girlfriend, the right whatever it is, and you find out, man, I'm still empty. I'm telling you, there's a great exchange. And that is, you surrender your life to Him, and He lives, He leads you into a life abundantly. God, I don't know, that's the that's a, that's a best deal for us. Now, do you remember verse 11, because I, I alluded to that, where Jesus declares Himself the Good Shepherd. So what's happening here, He says, I'm the Good Shepherd. I lay my life down for the sheep. But what He's doing, He's actually linking that statement back to, to Ezekiel chapter 34. So let me read to you Ezekiel 34. And before I do that, I want you to, I want you to recognize that Jesus is just, when, when he says, I am the good shepherd, he's linking that back to that passage of scripture. And everyone that's hearing him teach would, ha- would, would know that. Okay. So it says in Ezekiel 34, 12 through 15, you're, you, you guys all with me? Do I need to slow down a little bit? I need to chill out a little bit? My wife's going, breathe. You online, just take a little break. Just breathe. My sister's usually online with us, so I just chill out, little sis. It's all good. So Ezekiel 34, 12 through 15. It says, as the shepherd seeks out his flock... Remember, Jesus is linking himself to this. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, when he's among his sheep that have been scattered, so I will seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines, 
and in all the inhabited places of the country, and I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself, this is it, I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. So once again, in the minds and memories of the hearers, they knew this prophetic declaration. And then Jesus drops the God bomb when he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lies, lays his life down for the sheep. Like, I don't know about you, that just is amazing. Because in essence, Jesus is reiterating, he's saying, I'm God. See, Jesus is building also the future. Jesus is building the future. In John 14, 2 through 4, he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also, that you know the way to where I am going. Listen, one of the greatest fears that people have is the future. One of the greatest fears people have is the future. I was a youth pastor for five or six years. One of the greatest, even back there in the day, one of the greatest insecurities and fears that young people had is what is in my future. We get all wound up about what is in our future. We really do. Even in the natural, I remember 2020, on the eve of 2020, many churches and probably ours included, 2020, vision, clear vision, and then COVID hit. Wow, didn't see that coming. We, we, we can't see all of this stuff coming no matter how much we try. Jesus said what man by being anxious can add one cubit to his life. You know how far, you know how long a cubit is? It's from here to your elbow. So all of your anxiety, all of your worry, all of your fear, you can't even add that much to your life. That's what he was saying. Isn't that crazy? Wow. So be anxious for nothing. Paul writes, but in everything, in prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and guard your mind. That's how we walk into the future. It's the only way we're told to walk in the future. So when we, when we look at this, what about the eternal future? Jesus is building. He's built through creation. He's building in the present and also for the future. And in any building, there's a partnership. Now, I love this analogy. I heard this a number of years ago. Everything I love, I love walking out in the mountains. I love seeing creation. I just see God in it. And I see Jesus in the creation because Jesus was part of the creation. And it's just amazing. There's stuff that's just breathtaking. Amen? And yet God did all that in six days and rested on the seventh. Think about the contrast. I don't know where your mind goes in these, but I'm like, wow, God did that in six days. And Jesus has actually been building something for over 2,000 years. Hmm, how's that going to stack up? It's going to be amazing. It's going to be wonderful. If what we, we assess here on earth is amazing, then I mean, how about this? But in building, there's a partnership. 
Jesus tells the story of a man who built his house on the rock or the man who builds his house on the sand. There's a partnership. There's a response. Jesus is building. Are you going to respond? Jesus is building his church. Are you going to respond? Or are you going to be the lone ranger Christian? Probably, you know, your salvation is there. I'm not saying you're not saved. But man, I'm telling you what, you are missing out if you're not rooted in. You're not rooted in, you miss out. I mean, because God is doing some amazing things. I want to do this this morning. I believe that there are people here that I want to give you an invitation to build your house on the rock. I believe there are people here that you've seen the foundation of your life crumble because you recognize I I, I built this thing on sand, haven't built it on the rock. And I believe that Jesus, the builder, is calling to us. He's calling, I mean, he's calling supernaturally to people to take the first step in the building process, process which we would call salvation. I believe he's, he, he's, he's actually calling, I sense of my spirit, he's calling people to take that second step. It's like, I need to be part of what God's building in the church. Christmas is this consistent reminder of this extraordinary visitation and visitation of God and we see at the birth of the Christ child that there was wonderment there was a sense of the supernatural you know what's amazing to me is God revealed the most significant event on the earth to shepherds in the field who were considered unclean outcast he could have revealed himself to the business people in Jerusalem to the king in Jerusalem he didn't He revealed himself to shepherds. And there was a call for celebration that the earth would join the angels in rejoicing. And there were even gifts that were given. I just love it because we're called to celebrate. And we see that in that that birth of Christ, the celebration, there were gifts that were given. But can I just say this? God came to earth with the gift of Jesus for all mankind. The gift of Jesus rescues, it restores, and it reconnects you with God and the tragedy is that so many people have not received the gift they've not responded to the gift through a life with Jesus I love this Jesus has built and is building he's building a a, a church he's building people he's building an abundant life he's building a future and I want to ask you this maybe most of you have already made this determination and step in your life. But maybe there's some people here this morning that haven't made that. And I want to give you this invitation. I want to say, will you receive that gift of salvation through Jesus today? It's there. It's for you. It's for me. It's profoundly been the most life-changing, life-altering thing that I've ever done. And I think most people here could say that, yes. So I want you to I want you to bow your heads and your hearts with me just for a moment. There's nobody looking around except for me and my prayer leader because she's gonna help me. If if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I've 
I've not built my house on the rock. I've built it on the sand. Nothing satisfies. I can't break out of this thing. Nothing fulfills what's what's in my life, but this feels like it's it. I, I, I sense the presence of the Lord. You feel the invitation of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He, he died and was raised up on the third day, you profess and confess Him as Lord and Savior. You're taking a step into salvation. And if that's you this morning, with nobody looking around except for me, because I want to agree with you, and my prayer, my prayer leader is going to agree with you as well. I want to give you an opportunity to say, today I make that determination. I make that profession. I make that confession that Jesus is Lord in my life. I want to open the door of my heart. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up to me right now. Just wave at me right where you're at. Okay, thank you. Today, I'm, today, 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 I make that determination. Anyone else this morning, you're saying, today, I open the, the door of my heart. And I give it to you, Jesus. Come in and be Lord and Savior in my life. Man, I, I, I just, He came that he might, you might have life and have it abundantly. Father God, we thank you so much for what you're doing. Listen, here, here's the other thing I just feel like. Can I have my prayer people up front? I just got some people and gosh, we just trust them. They, they pray, they, they love people. God's working through them. You can trust them too. And you might be here this morning and you can say, Pastor, man, I've got some stuff that needs to be rebuilt in my life. Let's go ahead and everybody stand up. I've got some stuff that needs to be rebuilt in my life. I mean, the winds have blown, the storms have come. Maybe I haven't weathered things the the way I, 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 I could have. There's You know, maybe priorities. Is somebody here this morning, your priorities have been misplaced and you know that. Someone here, you, you just, you know, there's been, there's been so many distractions in your life that you forgot what it was, your first love, and that's Jesus. I, I really feel like as we're, just take a few minutes, we got plenty of time this morning, so we take a few minutes, if you're online with us, just respond to our online pastor and just say, here's my request. But if you're here this morning, you say, I need some things rebuilt in my life. I need relationships rebuilt, health rebuilt. You should come now. Just come and let somebody minister to you now. I need I need my marriage rebuilt. I need my hope rebuilt. I need this addiction broken. I need some physical things rebuilt. I've got some things that I need to rebuild. And I'm telling you what, the Holy Spirit right now, today, this morning, I believe is rebuilding some things. Willing to touch, willing to heal, willing to save, willing to encourage. And I, I tell you what, I wouldn't wait. Man, I'd be like, I'm, I'm beating a hot path up to say, I need some help. These people will pray for you. They'll pray for you on my right, on my left. And I'm telling you what, God can move so profoundly in your life right now that your life will never be the same. It'll never be the same. Sometimes the fear of man is what keeps us from walking forward and just saying, okay, I need some prayer. Sometimes that's what it is. You've got to step beyond that. Just like the woman with the issue of the blood, the issue of blood, she, was, she had to press through the crowd to touch the hem of his garment. And when she did, Jesus felt virtue flow out of him. I believe there's virtue that's going to flow today. But you need to take the step. Take the step of faith. Take the step of faith. I need some more people over here to pray. Jason, 
Kiana, would you come over and pray? Johnny. These guys are amazing. You can trust them. Let's just extend our hands to people up front right now. Jesus, I just thank you for a rebuilding heart that you have, restoring heart that you have, a spirit that you have. I thank you for people receiving salvation today, uh, receiving healing today. Lord God, we're, we're, just, we're just here and, and we just ask that God, you fill us with hope. I pray for anybody online with us right now, just, just reach right into their home right now and I just pray faith. I pray that you you just restore hope, Father God. You dispel uh, depression and addictions and, and things that are just got. The enemy has got all kinds of weapons and all kinds of tools. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. And so, God, we just praise you and thank you right now in the name of Jesus.